0: Do you want me to go ahead and start? Yeah, let's kick it off. Okay. Kick it. Kick it. Hello, and welcome to Four Color Nerds Comic Podcast, episode 43. I am Christina, and I'm joined by the other nerds. Ryan. Hello. And Rory.
1: Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello.
0: Thanks for slowing it down, Rory. i
1: <laughs> not California speed. <laughs>
0: Together we take on this week's comics. Each week we read a variety of comics and gather her to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now, go read your week's books, and then come on back. Each week one of us picks our favorite book, and that's our pick of the week. This week I am this nerd, this week the pick of the week goes to animosity number one. Our companion song is If I Had a Tale by Queens of the Stone Age, which I have to tell you the reason why I picked the song was so I was Spotify snooping and I saw Rory was listening to Queens of the Stone Age and I was like shit I need a good song and so I kind of went through some of their older albums and that's why I found that song and I was like holy shit it totally works
2: yeah when you sent me over the lyrics, because we were talking about the song yeah. you know throwing out some ideas back and forth and then you you proved to me why you're the best of us at this and I,
0: the lyrics are just freaking perfect
1: won't <laughs>
0: Pick of the Week, Animosity Number One by Aftershock Comics, written by my secret girlfriend, Marguerite Bennett, art by Raphael <laughs> de la Tour, colors by Rob Schreiger, The Wake. That's what they call what's happening. And I love that it started in San Francisco because I was very surprised. There's a very long religious speaking about this every bird in the sky and everything creeping on the earth, blah, 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 blah. That's
2: Genesis. Yeah. When God creates the heavens and the earth and gives man dominion over all, right. everything that creeps or crawls.
0: The subtext below that is even better where it says, yeah. One day, for no goddamn reason, animals just woke up. <laughs> they started thinking, they started talking, they started taking revenge. We call it
2: the wake. <laughs> Sounds better than the funeral.
0: Yeah. It starts off in, it's a vet clinic, which I almost look, look like a test lab in a weird way. All of a sudden, we've got the exterminator who's going in to uh, clean out, you know, the rats and stuff like that in the veterinary clinic. And then they just fucking start talking and eating everyone. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. The next panels are freaking awesome. The way I thought about this was the Jungle Book movie, the book, the Jungle Book, just a lot fucking darker. Like, so
2: dark. This is really great panel storytelling.
0: Oh, so good!
2: And that you have... Each of these little panels tells a really mm-hmm. compelling little story in a very compact way, and then I love the look on all the animals' eyes oh when it's they so awaken. Creepy. Oh, it's fantastic. And it's not.
0: And it's interesting. Is not all of them are just murderers? The fucking killer whale who's like, "I love you." <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're completely One with dead. the dog that's being Aww. put to sleep, and then he awakens right as he's put, being put to sleep, and he's like, oh. "Don't cry. I understand. Okay. I forgive you." And you're like, "Oh my god!" Just stab me right in the fucking heart.
0: Through this whole book, I'm like seriously just crying. Just out and out crying. My dogs are my children and I love them and seeing that, like the dogs, putting the dogs to sleep, I was like, oh no. No, and I'm like sitting next to my dogs in the bed, reading this like right before I go to bed, which is a horrible fucking idea. And I'm like, doggies, come love me. (laughs) I would love it if my dogs talked. (laughs)
2: i don't know if they would be a great conversational like fall yes. like, food I'm walk, fairly ball, certain food though, walk.
0: like my bully she does this thing where she comes up to me and puts her head up against my head and i swear to god it's like a mind meld she's like trying to get in my brain
2: i love it when the dog finally yes. gets to talk to his little owner like the first thing he like tells her is like i just i, I just would feel love that that's you what my <laughs> dog would say
0: like, I, would, I just love
2: you and they kind of do that thing you're yeah. talking about where they kind yeah. of put their heads together
0: heartbreaking the whole story is going to be with the dog and the girl so it's her and the dog getting out because all these freaking birds and everything are everything is trying to kill everything like all these animals the one i liked the best was the sushi the octopus getting out with the freaking oh that was the best that was one of my favorite panels i was like holy shit (laughs) I like that one a lot. And all the birds are like attacking.
2: <laughs> I like the police horse oh. who like kicks the officer in the head. He's like, that's for making me watch <laughs> that all that was fucked creepy. up shit on patrol. Oh my
3: God.
0: The tiger, that was totally Jungle Book to me. The tiger, the killer tiger. For the last panel, even oh, more tears, more tears. More tears. <laughs> this one got me.
2: Jordan. But it was yeah. really impactful. It set the tone perfectly for what's going on.
0: the murder pandas. Oh my god.
2: That was weird.
0: That was weird. I didn't exactly understand. I was like, why did you keep us alive so long? And I guess it's probably because they were in captivity and maybe they were just so sad, like being in captivity and there's no can't get out.
2: Suicidal pandas. Well, that's like why <laughs> one of the main reasons why pandas first of all, pandas have like in nature have a really low birth rate, but in captivity it's even lower because there's so they don't like right. it at all. They don't thrive no, they don't. in that environment. So, no. like, I don't know if you've ever actually seen a panda in person. They're really sad. They are sad. You think they're all going to be beautiful and no, majestic and, like- you know, all that. And it's really not. <laughs> aftershock
0: is knocking out some good shit definitely get on board this is an awesome independent new up-and-coming publisher love this one i thought the art was really good on this one too mm-hmm. i agree
2: i thought it was really expressive like i mentioned the eyes already how they did the eyes the difference mm-hmm. between the animal eyes and the i'm just gonna call them awakened like the awakened eyes yes they were is so dramatic like i actually went back to compare the panels before you know where you see like the polar bear or the cow or whatever mm-hmm. And then it switches to their eyes. The cow has, I mean, there's a term like cow eye. Right. It's just this kind of like mindless prey beast that's like getting ready to get shot in the head. And then when it switches, like suddenly it has almost like eyebrows to give it expressions. And it's like, you don't Mm -hmm. have to do this, man. Polar bear and the hamster. The hamster one was kind of weird to me because she's eating her babies before when she's just an animal, right? Right. Then she awakens and she's like, still time to chow down. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
0: all right, still going to do this still in
2: i <laughs> love oh, the little hamsters like run she's evil I'm like, oh, you poor bastard, you're trapped in a cage, you're not going anywhere.
0: The iguana telling the guy that I can't keep living this lie, that his boyfriend was cheating (laughs) on him, I was like, oh my god! A lot of those panels got me. Oh, the fucking deer, too. The deer
2: rampage. (laughs) Holy shit. That was one thing I liked, that it wasn't split into, like, predators and prey that are, like, the murderers towards humans. No. I should say, like, carnivores and herbivores, that's not the split. No. There are carnivores in here that regret their actions, like the the polar bear's, like, in the middle of eating this seal. Aww. And then he awakens.
1: The vegan polar bear. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and he's like, oh, God, what have I done? But then, like, the deer are like, kill everyone.
0: And the birds, the freaking pigeons and stuff like that are just... just that I can marvelous. buy. They're
2: mean little fuckers. Yeah, they are...
0: Fire. Fucking seagulls too! I really want to punch.
2: Ah, punch! Oh, yeah. I loved when the seagull was going towards him. It's like mine, mine, mine. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Every little panel in this has something great to look at. It. It's real good.
0: There's so many. You can see so many little mini stories that you could break off from each of these. Like what the fuck the octopus does, and the two little birds that are talking to each other about. Like I feel pressured to have kids. Like all of those like weird little stories could be stories in itself. Yes. They give you just enough. Yeah. I love this one. I really do. Yeah, this is definitely a five. I'm going to give it five I love yous. Like, I feel (laughs) like that's like how you would say it.
2: What'd you give it, Rory?
1: I'm with Christina on this, and this is excellent excellent artwork here the expressiveness of the different animals and short but sweet beginning story what else can you ask for with this one so i'm giving it five vegan polar bears <laughs> <I'm being
2: born>. <laughs> <laughs> i really like this like there's one panel and we were talking about it earlier rory with the cat that like, wakes the person up in the middle of oh. the night i was like oh. if you touch her again i'll cut your eyes out <laughs> while you're asleep <laughs> I was like that. That's a cat. cat. That would so be a cat. (laughs) You can see, too, like, because I was looking back at the panel, like, before the cat awakened, it's actually sleeping with the woman, not the guy. That's her person, you know, or his person. (laughs) And then suddenly, and you know that's not an idle threat from a cat. If
1: cats could talk, they'd probably be threatening to scratch your eyeballs out in your sleep for... No reason whatsoever.
2: <laughs> he would expect the dogs to be very loyal to people. It's Sander, the dog he is, but he's also getting help from, I think his name is Mittens, the cat that's in the house. Yes, yeah. But then there are other dogs that are not friendly very interesting i think i would give it i'm gonna give it four and a half because it is actually about three pages shorter than a regular comic so that kind of bugged Mm. me a little bit but every of the 19 or 18 pages or so that we get every one is fantastic just i'm gonna have to deduct half a star for that so four and a half hello handsome nice From the tiger to the dog.
0: That interaction was great. Ah, so good.
2: I was a little confused with the sword that's on the table and how the dog knocks it into the tiger. Mm -hmm. That confused me a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, they can use tools now, apparently. Yes. (laughs) But, I mean, that's pretty much because I was, like, sitting there going, this dog is going to get so killed.
2: Yeah, they are apex predators.
1: Dogs are not. This dog is not going to survive. And then I was like, oh, shit.
2: It's a smart fucking
0: dog. Remember, it is a bloodhound. Very true. Bloodhounds are very intelligent. Very good point. They are hunting dogs. It's like this is a great pick for a dog. It's a very very intelligent dog. And
2: such an expressive face too. So.
0: Oh, when he's sad.
2: Oh. With his little
0: tears. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh. It's good. This you should definitely pick this one up. Agreed. So I'm taking us over into the DC universe. Huh. First we're going to stop in with Dick Grayson for for Nightwing number 2. Better Than Batman Part 2 from DC Comics. Written by Tim Seeley. Art by Javier Fernandez. Colors by Chris Sotomayor. So this one is Nightwing is working with the Court of Owls and he's trying to you know, go under deep undercover with them and break them from the inside. So he's gonna, you know, investigate all their criminal organizations, like find their weak point and then strike the the moment that that, that he figures it out. You know, wait for that perfect, perfect moment. But the Court of Owls doesn't really trust him, so they've given him this guy to kind of watch him and guide him. So he's kind of like his new his new Batman in a way. He's falling almost back into that Robin role, but he really doesn't know whether to trust this guy or not because the Court of Owls is super fucking evil. So whoever they're sending to, like watch him probably is also pretty evil. So that kind of plays out at first where he doesn't like him and then the guy starts offering him advice and a lot of the advice is very different from what Batman has told him. At first he's kind of rejecting the advice and then he gives him They're talking about planning like don't you even have a plan when they're going in and the guy says well my plans are always just leap and you'll have time to figure it out on the way down and Nightwing's like oh shit I mean doesn't actually say shit you know he's like oh shit that is what I say it's like maybe we're not that different. So they are tracking down this cult it's like Cobra with a K and they do all these genetic experiments on people and turn them into monsters. So they're breaking into one of their bases, and they find, like, all these refugees that are hidden down in these tunnels that they are experimenting on. And they free them, and there's this really strange, creepy, fucking creepy-ass picture of this woman who is, like, you figure out at first she thinks uh, she's just, like, a victim, that she's lying there, but then you realize that she's the one, like, birthing the monsters like they rip themselves out of her stomach and come out it is creepy it is nightmare worthy material most of the artwork is just pretty standard that will haunt your dreams right there it's pretty effective so nightwing is kind of you know they rescue all these refugees but then they basically give them to the court of owls because he's a court of owls agent and he can't he has to make the decision like do i free these refugees which will you know, blow my cover right now and I'll never get to the bottom of what's going on or do I have to not rescue this small group of people to save like a larger group of people you know and he's having a hard time with that and this guy who's the title, like Better Than Batman, who's his new kind of mentor, tells him that he is doing the same thing that he's doing, that he's he's working with the Court of Owls. He wants to take them down. And for him, it's not so much a matter of like good or evil. He doesn't really give his motivation for why he wants to take them down. You know, when he was in the circus and he would do all his like trapeze work, there would always be someone to catch him. And they would do really dramatic acts like in the dark where you had to reach out your hands in the dark and grab onto somebody and trust them to grab you. And that that's basically what he's asking him to do now. So I thought that was pretty cool there's also a part that i really so that was all the actiony plot stuff and then there's some character stuff barbara who is in tokyo like you read last week in batgirl and she's arranging a date to meet on top of like a landmark and have like a candlelight dinner and Nightwing tells her that he'll be there, but then when the time comes to actually meet up, he has to go on his next mission. He can't make it to her rendezvous. So there's this actually really little heartbreaking scene where she's got the picnic laid out, and she's sitting up there waiting for him, and she's dressed up really nice. She's got, like, her high heels on, not, like, her combat boots like she normally wears. And she's leaving him a voicemail, and she's like, you know, are you there? I thought this was. And then it kind of, like, trails off, I thought this was a date. And, of course, he can't make it there. So there's lots of stuff he has to sacrifice here in his... To break the court of owls, you know, he's got to sacrifice some of his clean sense of morality. He's got to get set aside personal relationships. He's got to set aside some of the teachings that Batman has given him. Overall, it's pretty solid. I give this three and a half. I thought this was a date. Pretty decent. <laughs> My next one is Batman. We kind of put them together. Not only are they DC books that are really closely themed together, DC is gearing up for its next sort of big event, which is Night of the Monster Men. It's going to be Nightwing, Batman, and Detective Comics. And if you've been following all of those, One thing that keeps gets repeated over and over again in all those issues is the monster men are coming. It's kind of a line that everyone says. So something's coming and this is kind of where we see what's going on. So Batman number four, I am Gotham part four from DC Comics, written by Tom King, pencils by David Finch, art by Sandra Hope and Matt Banning, colors by Jordy Blair, who just won a Eisner for coloring. Uh, And he also, I believe later on is going to be on another book of ours that's our favorite. And you can really tell his coloring is the best in the business, hands down. This Batman story is there's been if, you, if you've been reading along with Batman there's these two new kind of Superman type heroes in Gotham there's Gotham and Gotham girl and they're a brother and sister who've had a really similar background to Batman where they're they were almost mugged in an alley and their parents were almost killed but Batman came and saved them and gave them one of my favorite speeches about how everyone it's okay to be afraid. Everyone's afraid. That just means everyone has the chance to, to stand up to their fear and conquer it. Be, don't be ashamed of your fear. Acknowledge it and, you know, defeat it. Which is kind of cool because you also hear Gotham later on give the exact same speech that Batman gave to him when he was a little kid to another person. It doesn't turn out as well. We'll get to that in a second. So what's happened, there's been an explosion and Batman goes to investigate it. Tom King was a CIA counterintelligence person who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I think just Iraq. And he's talked about how Batman has to descend into chaos and blood and the face of evil. And he has to, to face this and then not lose himself to it. And I think that's a really probably personal... I can imagine doing counterintelligence in Iraq during the Iraq war. Probably you got to see lots of bombings and betrayals and, you know, all these things that this comic is drawing on. I think when you write what you know, you get pretty powerful stuff. And this is pretty powerful. So there's all of these dead bodies here and written on the wall in blood is, I am Gotham. So, but Gotham is not here. Gotham girl though is, and she's kind of like sobbing in the corner, repeating over and over to herself. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm very scared. And everyone in the city is saying this over and over again. Last issue, we found out that Psycho Pirate, who's like this mind control, emotional person is affecting all of Gotham, and that Hugo Strange is supposed to be controlling him, I mean that they were supposed to use the Psycho Pirate to turn villains into good guys. Hugo Strange betrayed everyone and is now using him to inflict all this chaos and stuff. So that's why you keep seeing these people repeating these same lines. It's Psychopirate is fucking with everyone's mind. One theme that kind of uh, goes throughout this book is I can fix this. And then you find out, no, you can't fix it. Like over and over again, they show up to say that they can fix it. They can restore order. They can restore sanity. You know, that this situation can be salvaged and it, it can't. There's a scene where there's this guy Looks like he's going to throw himself off the edge of a roof and he's standing there with like his cell phone and Gotham, who's kind of like the stand-in for Superman here, lands behind him and is talking to him. And there's actually a really famous from All-Star Superman, where Superman is talking someone down from a ledge. Like, you'll see people post these panels all the time saying how this is, you know, the exact right tone for Superman. And this is kind of a parallel to that. But this is where you can see Tom King's kind of fucked up trauma that he's kind of working through here. Because the guy who's getting ready to jump is not actually getting ready to jump. The phone that he's holding is actually a trigger for like a vest the uh, explosive vest that he's holding which he sets off and right before he sets it off he says the monster men are coming which is again leading into that uh, that crossover event that i was talking about and he actually as gotham is telling him about fear and that we can fix this situation the guy says you're right i can fix this and that's when he sets off the bomb so his pep talk did not go well and i wanted to point out when he there's a couple spots in here of real world brutality and violence that reminds you that this is This is a real bloody Batman story. Like when Batman first shows up at the bombing site and he's walking, he's walking through puddles of blood. And then when this bombing happens, you can see all the bodies of the police officers and firemen that are there flying through the air. And you can see severed limbs in the explosion and people's heads exploding. And it's a very realistic, bloody scene. This is not, you know, Biff Bang Pow superhero punches. This is mad bombers in the city blowing things up and murdering people.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: So... Yeah, they, they really are driving home that kind of feel for here. So Gotham is freaking out again, thanks to the influence of the Psycho Pirate, where there was another bombing on a bridge and he's basically dragging like steel girders around, like trying to fix the bridge. And Batman is basically like, What are you doing? You're not an engineer, you're not an architect, you cannot repair this bridge, you can't make it right. And that's when he kind of freaks out and throws that steel girder into the batmobile and destroys the batmobile <laughs> which is kind of funny later alfred is like going to send him some information and he's like master Bruce, should i send it to the batmobile he's like no no you should not <laughs> which was kind of funny so batman's giving him this talk where he's saying you know i thought i knew who you were that you were going to be like the savior for for gotham that's where i'm weak you're strong when i go down with the plane which is what we're talking about back in issue one you lift the plane up i had all these hopes for you. You're not damaged like I am. Your parents didn't die, so you don't have that trauma. So everything that I wish I could be, I hope you would be. And I've been testing you and watching you, you know, because no matter how much hope Batman has for something, he never is going to trust people right off the bat. And he said that he had been passing all his tests until Batman walked into a room with those 27 dead soldiers. And, you know, I am Gotham written in blood on the walls. And that's when Gotham kind of freaks out and is like, 27 soldiers? No! You know, and you think, oh, maybe he's just realized, you know, the impact of what he's done, and he he flies off. And later on, you find out that that's not why he, he flew off. It's not that he realizes the horrible things he's done. They're analyzing all the dog tags. And this is why, like, Batman's supposed to be the world's greatest detective, right? So here's some of the detective work that you get in that makes this more than just, like, a superhero comic. That they're adding up all the serial numbers on the dog tags, and they all add up to 24, which they figure out 24 is you know the 24th letter of the alphabet is x and these are all soldiers which means that they are part of unit x which another book we reviewed this week is suicide squad which is unit x so it cuts to Amanda Waller and some general and the general's telling him like Batman's never going to figure this out even if he does figure it out we're a mile underground there's you know cement and guards and there's just no way he can get near he's just talking so much shit about Batman right and Amanda Waller's just kind of sitting there looking at him like you are a fucking idiot, right? And then classic Batman, she's like, uh, the Batman is right behind you. <laughs> the guy turns around and sees him. And I loved kind of the dismissiveness of Batman where he grabs the guy's head and like slams it into the concrete to like knock him out. And he's like, we need to talk. And this is where Amanda Waller, oh, she's such an evil bitch. <laughs> you know, you love to hate her. She's that kind of force in the DC universe that does what needs to be done to to save the world, but her, you know, methods and tools are, are not things that people like so that's where she explains the whole thing with psycho pirate and you strange and what they're doing and that she's gonna let batman help her and she'll help batman and then she's like but only if you say please which is such an asshole move, you know, but also such a power move with Batman. And she says that, he's like, you know, don't you realize 27 of your soldiers are dead already? More people are going to die. And then she kind of throws it back in his face. She's like, you can't even get your facts straight. There are 28 soldiers, not 27, you know. And that's when Batman has that look of like, oh shit. (laughs) That's when you realize that when Gotham heard there were 27 dead soldiers and freaks out, it's not because of the horrible things he's done, it's because he knows... there were 28 when he was there. And now there are only 27 bodies, so what's happened to the 28th soldier? Batman, being, you know, super great detective, figure out what's happened and goes back to Gotham's parents. So when I said that Gotham is not damaged, that his parents managed to survive, this soldier tracks down his parents and, for revenge, kills them in front of him. So Gotham is holding the soldier and telling Batman about how he watched them kill his parents, and Batman is like, I understand. I understand what it's like to watch your parents die. I understand all the rage and grief you have, and that this moment is going to define you. You know, you'll take the pain from this and turn it into strength, and you'll you'll rise above, you know, like the phoenix. Everything's going to be fine, and Gotham is having none of it. It kind of reminds me of in Deadpool, where Colossus gives Deadpool that speech about you only get so many moments in your life to be a hero, and Deadpool is just like, fuck that, and shoots the guy in the head. <laughs> Gotham kind of does the same thing and snaps this guy's neck. Batman tries to fight him, and he just, like, throws Batman through a wall. Tells him that he's, he's figured it out, that you can't fix things. Because all throughout this, you know, they've been saying, I can fix this. And every time they do, they can't. And it ends horribly. So he's like, I've realized I'm not here to save Gotham. I'm here to destroy Gotham before I can hurt anyone else. So he kinda he flies off and he's like, I'm gonna murder everyone in Gotham. I'm gonna wipe this plague off the earth so that no one else gets hurt. So that's kind of where it ends. It is a really cool issue. It was really I think showed a lot of traumatic events that were happening. It had cool detective work in it. It had The whole thing with Amanda Waller and, you know, confronting the Suicide Squad, basically, was was pretty awesome. You got to see how how evil she is, but in control, and her and Batman having that kind of verbal duel back and forth was really interesting. So I think Batman's probably one of the only in the DC Universe that can go toe-to-toe with her in terms of being able to match her and intellect and always thinking so many steps ahead, so... I think that was a real good matchup. The art's fantastic. It was a really, really strong issue. I think I will give it four and a half. The Monster men are coming. Why does everybody want to destroy Gotham? Because Gotham's a <laughs> shithole. <laughs> Gotham destroys everything that's good.
0: <laughs> Why? What is wrong? There's a Hellmouth, right? Like, we haven't gotten to that part yet. There's going to be a Hellmouth, right? Underneath Gotham. I
2: think
1: it's the architecture.
2: I don't know if you remember yeah. when we were reading, uh, what the fuck was the one with the specter? It wasn't called Specter. Oh, was it like Gotham by Midnight or something like that? The one with a nun?
0: Yes, I remember right? that one. Right,
2: so in that one, you find out that Gotham was built by murdering an Indian tribe and put it throwing their bodies into yeah. the swamp that Gotham got built on. So when homo. you see those like horror movies and you're like, was this built on an ancient Indian burial yes. ground? Yes, it was. Yeah, Yeah, Gotham <laughs> was. <laughs> <laughs> Gotham's been it. evil from the get-go.
1: I love his logic, too. I don't want anybody to be hurt by Gotham, so I'm going to kill everybody in it.
2: Okay. <laughs> I don't want anybody to get hurt, so I'm going to murder her, like <laughs> a couple million
1: people. Fucking brilliant. But,
2: I mean, that kind of reminds me of maybe like Ozymandias, right? And, oh, yeah. like Watchmen, who's like, I- I'm going to kill millions to save billions. Is that going to be another tie-in? we saw who i think was i think ozymandias is watching superman mm-hmm. and i think rorschach is watching batman i think it could because we saw him i thought in detective comics was like crouched on a rooftop mm-hmm.
1: i liked it good stuff good tie-in good artwork good storyline i'm gonna give it four you're not an architect
2: it's
0: a dc comic book so automatically i have to take it down a couple notches
1: oh <laughs> hater eight hater eight, hater eight. Hater <laughs> eight. but
3: mm-hmm. it
0: is batman it is batman actually this one was really good well the coloring is awesome I don't give that to... You. I still don't like the character of Gotham. I still don't like them. I like Batman. This is a good Batman issue. Besides them. The Gotham and Gotham girl. Because I seriously don't care about that. For Batman alone and Batman being a badass and just smacking that guy against the wall with, you know, military guy with his gun out and just fuck this shit and just smacks him against the wall. I'll give that at least three and a half. Batman fuck yous. Invincible Iron Man number 12. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art by Mike Diodo. Damn it. Yodo. Diodo. Colors by Frank Martin. This is... Of course, the continuation of all the other Civil War II books. But some of this is really good. I do appreciate this. It's Tony Stark sitting on the rubble. It's Stark Tower, right? Mm-hmm. Destruction. And he's just sitting there and just like staring into nothingness. I love that the firemen are coming up to him. And then, is that MJ?
2: That's Mary Jane.
0: Yeah, it's MJ. Because MJ and, was it, Maria Hill?
2: Yeah, Maria okay. Hill. And then a bunch of firefighters and yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. dudes.
0: I like that they come up to him and he's like, can we do anything for you? Anything? Just catch up. Just fucking catch up. Um,
2: (laughs) These fries need ketchup
0: (laughs) There's a lot of Tony Stark being an asshole Which he is generally an asshole A lot of ways I don't understand who this person is Who he was trying to bring flowers Amara I have no idea I have not been catching up on Any of this Invincible Iron Man So I have no idea who the hell that is
2: That's the super genius that he was like Trying to date Who's figured out Oh she's figured out how to undo The inhuman gene Or the mutant gene Something She doesn't know what to do with that knowledge Like she's figured out how to do it But she's like I shouldn't do this
0: so he goes looking for her. She's not there. She's apparently run off or something like that. Like she's, somebody's been covering her classes and stuff like that. And then I guess there's some sort of investigator. They're talking to him and they're like, yeah, they're saying she's not there. But then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's a student who made her own armor and like left. We got to find her. with an investigation. And he's like, what? Who is it? What? What are you talking about? Yeah. Because like what, we thought you fuck? were here about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, what? What the fuck? And that's where we can meet Riri, the next Iron
2: woman yeah she's been in a couple previous issues of invincible iron man like there's been an arc leading up to this yeah um, but this is the first time they meet
0: so he just pops in and so he checks out her suit and is looking at and stuff like that, and she's like, "Well, you know, I did a trial run, kinda, but I don't really have all the pieces yet." She's like, "I, you know, I need a, an AI." And I love the panel of her eyes, where it's like, "Can I have one, please?" Like giving the sad the puppy dog, dog eyes. eyes. Like, yeah. Please, <laughs> can I have an please? That was a great panel because it was like you. She's totally twisting trying to get him to give what was it 45 million dollars
2: it'd be 43 million dollars and she's like you're rich
0: (laughs) yeah what does that mean
2: (laughs) to you and then she's like well i'll just figure it out myself yeah
0: i'll just do it you know whatever i can just do what i want it's a meeting of them and they're gonna go out to dinner i love it they're gonna go to a deer wiener schnitzel which i thought was
3: (laughs) pretty pretty freaking hilarious yeah that was awesome
0: and then it goes back to kind of the beginning it's like we have a back where he's like sitting in the middle of this you know destruction everything like that He kind of brings up, "Do you know how quickly I could remove the entire Inhuman?" And all he's like getting angry and angry. And but he's like, "Nothing will bring my friend back," which is really sad. It's just him now. But now he's kind of thinking, he's like, "You know, there's this 15-year-old girl in Chicago that could possibly be somebody for me." And then what the fuck, Victor Von Doom just fucking comes in and just steals
2: Tony Stark to lead off from secret wars like I, okay so at the end of secret wars when Reed Richards fought Dr. Doom and they yeah. destroyed the Doomverse right he yeah. got reborn into the universe without the scar on his face yeah he, and he saw him normal. kind of like laughing on the parapet I guess of his castle because mm-hmm. he's like he's free from all the evil baggage and right. he and Iron Man he's been trying to work with Iron Man they're both super geniuses and all of yeah. that but Iron Man is like I know who you are you're, <laughs> like, you're Evil has basically been trying to convince him that he's not evil, but he's not buying it. So I think now they're maybe going to work together.
0: He's going to be the replacement super science bro? (laughs)
2: Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Well, Doom is awesome because he's both science and magic. Yeah.
0: Super science magic bros. Then Doctor Strange should get in there. I mean, interesting. I think the only good takeaway is the meeting, other than the very end, the, the meeting between Riri and Stark. So he knows who she is now and what she's capable of. Obviously, here's the platform for her spin-off book. I
1: liked it a lot. I really like how they draw Tony in this one. Um, just the artwork in general is really, uh, I felt was pretty strong. I definitely liked the writing in uh, in the whole story. It was cool to have both the tie-in with Riri and the time with Doom. Enjoying the hell out of this one. Actually,
2: was wanted to talk to Carissa about this because like one of her things that she doesn't like is where you have new versions of old characters and that seems to be something mm-hmm. that the Marvel Universe is doing very much now. Yeah. But you'll have like the old version, then you're going to have the new version. Like You've got two Thors, you've got two Hawkeyes, you have two Iron Mans now, you have you had two Hulks before one got shot How in many- the <laughs> eye with an arrow. <laughs> you know? How many
0: Spider-Mans are
2: we up to now? Exactly. We had a whole <laughs> awesome crossover <laughs> thing called Spider-Verse. It was amazing. <laughs> it's just kind of a fact of comic books now so that you can have your hero for your you know old school people you can have your hero for the new readers to identify with So I think it's just inevitable that that's what is going to be happening in comics. It seems like Bendis does this a lot where he does... I always think about it as the end of seven tension. Brad Pitt has the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? (laughs) So they've got this whole scene where, you know, Riri has whatever she's built under this tarp. Tony is like, show it to me. And she's like, no, it's not ready. You know, and they go back and forth, like probably for like 10 panels or so. Yeah. Like building this tension of like, what's under the sheet? Show me. Until finally she does. And I just, I think that they did a really good job with this character. She's smart. She's determined. She's got all the characteristics of Tony Stark as a new character. Like, she's not one to let rules stand in her way. She's a super genius. She's an inventor. That one panel you were talking about where they draw her with those huge eyes, where she's asking for, like, the $43 million AI program. (laughs) Yeah, It's pretty awesome.
0: Great panel. That, to me, totally embodies, like, her character. Like, she's smart, but she can also be very manipulative, I'm guessing. Just probably like Tony.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I think Tony Stark and Bendis have the same voice. A lot of the times when Bendis will write, all of his characters end up sounding like these super smart, quirky, smarmy characters who have other interactions with quirky, smart, smarmy characters sound exactly like, so it's kind of hard to tell the difference between the two. But for Tony, that's what Tony's supposed to sound like. That's what Bendis sounds like. It's a perfect match between the two.
0: I'm going to give it three and three-quarter ketchup packets.
2: Oh, God damn it! I should have... <laughs> stole your mojo? I <laughs> totally stole your
1: mojo. <laughs> I really like this one, so I'm going to give it four AI programs.
2: I will give it three and a half. Can I have one, please? Still in
1: the Marvel Universe, Rory. Yep, we've gone through the crazy. We've gone through the Marvel Universe. Now we're going to go through crazy and the Marvel Universe. <laughs> All of the above. So we got Moon Knight number five. Welcome to New Egypt, part five of five. Written by Jeff Lemire, art by Greg Smallwood and Wilfredo Torres. Francis... Francis Villa. Francis Avila.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of that guy. He's yeah. great.
1: Yep. And James Stokoe. Clippers <laughs> by Jordi Belair, Michael Garland, Francisco Francovila, and James Stokoe. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This one was uh, a pleasure. I didn't actually realize as we've been going through Moon Knight that this was a five-part series, so I guess that would probably keyed me in on what was going to happen. So the last time we had visited Moon Knight, he had ran into the real Moon Knight, or another Moon Knight. In other words, Moon Knight in his original packaging. It starts off with Old Moon Knight versus New Moon Knight. They're basically at, at the top of the pyramid, and Old Moon Knight tells Marlene to come along with him. Obviously, that pisses off New Moon Knight, who basically jumps on him and then grab his blade and like Twists it around on him and stabs him with it. So New Moon Knight goes chasing after him and walks through, you know, walks through this doorway, and it gets into this weird, done a lot of drugs, space odyssey type bullshit. Sometimes when
2: you see like a lot of artists on a book, you're like, oh shit, this is going to be a train mm-hmm. wreck, right? But this one's cool because it's not a bunch of artists doing all the panels. There's these weird dream sequence, other world, crazy land sequences that are done by. Yes, and it works
1: so, so well for for what's going on here.
2: I
0: felt like I was on a drug trip
1: yeah, reading this right. book.
0: I was like, what mm-hmm. the like, fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back up when I was like, did I skip it
1: Yeah, much? I was like, I've done this drug before. <laughs> <laughs> he walks through this portal, and then all of a sudden he's on the moon staring down at Earth, which was a really cool shot. They do it in, like, a completely different style where they switched artists right there. So he's like, what the fuck? And then he's following the blood trail uh, <laughs> over to, there's another doorway like right a long ways away and then all of a sudden all these crazy hyena looking things come after him which chases him through the door and then poof all of a sudden he's in another area done by another artist where he is basically on set there is marlene in like a red riding hood looking costume she's there all of a sudden he's like completely confused she goes, you need to get going. They're, they're going to be here any second. And he's like, "Who?" And then turns around and sees the, the two orderlies coming after him out of nowhere. Then he runs through an, another door and this like street scene where he's out on the street and like, like a red light district almost. I think it's like Times Square in like the 70s.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it looks like Shaft.
1: There's some lady of the evening asking if he wants company and shit, and so he's like, nope, and then starts running. The orderlies grab his leg, and then they get in like a big fist fight where he headbutts one of them and then sticks the other one with a uh, needle. Then he runs through another doorway, if you haven't had enough doorways. He runs into Seth, who's chained up in a little... Closet-sized room, and uh, you know he's. I was sent here to kill you, and he's like, I'm not the one that's been doing any of this. Essentially, he's like, you know, you've been manipulated, and if you want to find out who, go this way. And of course, points off all these mysteriously appearing doorways and whatnot. There's a staircase going up, and he walks out, and he finds old Moon Knight, who's sitting there bleeding. asks him, Who are you really? And so he take he takes off his mask, and it's Conshu. Now the drugs have really kicked in he confronts him and he says you've lied about all this why were you doing this and Khonshu tells him the body that he's in is weak and dying and he needs his so he's like all you have to do is give in you're broken you know if you just let me take over everything will be fine I'll take care of everything you'll have any more pain or confusion blah 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 and he's like no and Khonshu's like what do you mean no and he jumps out of the pyramid flinging himself down where he splashed. Flats on the street and then sand goes over him and all of a sudden he wakes up
2: whole different art style
1: no door yep. this time he wakes up and marlene's there and she's like you know they've got to go and do the pyramid scene and stuff like that and so he like looks out the window and sees that there's no sand or anything like that and he cries the end
2: she doesn't call him <laughs>
1: oh yes Mark
2: either she calls him yes Steven. so
1: he's actually yeah. an actor that was having a bad dream the entire time
2: maybe Yeah. maybe that's Maybe. the great thing about the book. You're like, Maybe. is this supernatural stuff? Is he crazy? Is this the dream? What's real and what's not real? It was a interesting ending. It reminded me a lot of the end of Inception where they're like, they're spinning, you know, the top and you're like, what's real? What's not real? Are you still in the dream? Are you not in the dream? One
0: thing I did want to say was the Kanchu, that artwork reminded me a lot of Sandman. <laughs> yes a lot very. oh that was awesome the so word bubbles that was a lot of sandman to me yes. which was very cool I, I like that and it this whole story is, is like a crazy sandman fucking story
1: yeah i totally agree especially because i'm reading through some sandman stuff right now and so it's just like mm-hmm. the entire time I'm like oh i love it you know like,
0: and when i got to that part i was like holy shit i feel like i'm in a sandman
3: i like it. that this
2: story is both coherent and incoherent at the same time i understand everything that happened but in the totality of it when you're done you're mm-hmm. like what the hell just happened I still don't know what happened. It's unresolved because your main character, the whole point of this is he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what's real either. And I like that they have the courage to leave that question unresolved, that they don't need to give you necessarily like a happy ending all wrapped up in a bow. It's it's still this mystery and you could debate it back and forth about who's the real character, who's in a dreamland, who's having a delusion, what's going on. I I like that. Is any of this even real at all? Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, you also see at the very end that, uh, you know, he has that, Brief flash of him and Marlena that they're, they're out like with they're out having drinks and stuff, so that may be allusion to him being had gotten smashed drunk the night before and he's just having a weird ass dream, but hey. could be,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, could be. <laughs> or is that the happy moment that you think about before you die kind of thing because he's falling to his death potentially? That was what I thought, it
1: could be. <laughs>
2: that's the thing, man. There's so many interpretations for this,
1: yeah, that's true. Everybody's in the flash there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: I've enjoyed every single one of these issues and they've kept it going strong. The entire time and ended it nice and strong. So I'm gonna give this five endless doorways. Oh, you took my doorways! <laughs>
0: We'll give it three and three quarters little red riding
2: hoods. Give it a four. Billy don't like to sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Those fucking orderlies. <laughs> Those guys are such <laughs> assholes. <of> asshole. <laughs> one more for the
0: artwork. So awesome. Every single different artist. That yes. moon scene is
2: spectacular. Sticking with the insanity, I'm taking us over to Image for Killer Be Killed number one. Written by Ed Brubaker, art by Sean Phillips and Elizabeth Breitweiser. So some of you may recognize this creative team as basically the team behind Criminal, which is probably one of the best, if you like, crime stories that's comic that's ever come out. Criminal was amazing, and this is by the same people. But this is a very different take on it. First, I thought this was going to be kind of like a new edition of Criminal, maybe with some hitmen or something, like judging from the title. That is not what this is. So it kind of opens up with this guy with a shotgun just murdering the fuck out of people in this apartment and there's you know blood spatters on the wall and just there's all kinds of murder that's taking place and he's talking about that these are bad people and that it's sometimes it's hard to tell who's good and bad but he can tell who's good and bad you know he wasn't always good at doing this so then it kind of cuts to him earlier when he's you know much younger and he's on the bus and there's these these drunken new yorker assholes sitting at the back of the bus like catcalling his girl and he kind of turns around to give him the, you know, the stink eye. And they're like, what are you going to do about it? And of course, he doesn't do anything. His, you know, his girl is mad at him that he didn't do anything to defend them. And he's like, what am I going to do? Fight three people on like a city bus? Like, you don't do that. And he said that that's the turning point in his life where he realized that he wanted to make a change. And I, I like that this book moves back and forth through time. Like, I felt that if you were going to film this, you would want Tarantino to, to film this for the way that they play with time. It takes him when he realizes that, you know, what a fuck up he is you know, that he can't can't stand up for himself. It shows you him on the roof getting ready to throw himself off the roof, which he does, but then it kind of flashes back. So as he's falling from the roof, there are like laundry lines in between the buildings and there's like an old rug in there that he hits that kind of like breaks his fall. So he does hit the ground and like he breaks a couple bones and concussion and all of that, but he's alive. That's when they cut to tell you another reason why he went to go kill himself is he had his best friend who started dating his roommate. And when this happened, his best friend, he would see her all the time because she would always be over at the apartment, but she was never there to visit him. You know, he'd always felt kind of isolated and alone, and like the one person that he thought understood him the most suddenly didn't have time for him. Which he was not exactly okay with, but, you know, it, it was what it was. But he can hear them through the walls, and he hears her saying that he fe- she feels sorry for him which was like a dagger in the heart that he's like, you know, this was the person that got me and they, you know, think I'm pathetic and they feel sorry for him. And then it jumps even further back in time, which even more of a dagger in his heart for him, where you find out that she started hitting on him and like making out with him every time her boyfriend leaves the room. So when he goes out to like the store to get pizza or, Hey, can you get me a beer or whatever? She like grabs him and starts like making out with him. And at first he thought that this was the steps leading up to her breaking up with her boyfriend and, being with him, and then when he hears her say that she feels sorry for him, he realizes this is the ending of their friendship. This is the way she's breaking it off. That she's kind of always thought that that's all he really wanted from her, so she's gonna, you know, that's how she's gonna end this friendship. Which was kind of weird to me. I didn't quite get all of that. But anyway, so it's, it's this person that he was very, very important to him and has betrayed him on many, many different levels. So he goes to throw himself off the roof. Like I said, that's where he gets caught up in the, the rug that stops him from falling to his death. This is where The book takes a really weird turn (laughs) because at first I thought it was just going to be a crime book, Uh you know, which is what Criminal was, and it's been kind of heading in that direction. But no, now he starts seeing this demon that comes out to him and tells him he should be dead, but he's not, and that like a life needs to be paid for a life, and that every month he needs to kill someone or he's going to die. The demon tells him like, "Don't worry, you can kill bad people.
0: It's okay, kill the bad people. It's it's okay, Okay. kill bad people."
2: So he's like, fuck you, (laughs) you know, like you're not real. And even if you were, this is, I would never do that. And then he starts talking about how this has really disturbed him. Not that he thinks that demons are real, but if he, you know, took a head injury, like why would his brain start telling him to kill people? That that probably says something pretty disturbing about him. Then he gets really sick, throwing up in the toilet, can't walk, sick, like almost a month later. And that's when he starts seeing the demon again, and he realizes that his month is almost up. So he's, like, walking down the street, and he gets mugged by these two guys. These two, like, they look like homeless guys who, like, hit him in the head with a two-by-four and, you know, stomp on him and, you know, take his wallet or whatever. And at first, he's like, well, this is my opportunity. These are bad people. I just need to, you know, grab the gun from them and, and kill them. Um, and he would feel all right doing that but of course he can't because he's still basically not strong enough but it gives him the idea that there are bad people out there that he could go hunt down and kill and he's like lying in snow like bleeding and that's when you see him heading out to basically go find people to kill so to me this was like almost like the son of Sam from his point of view is really what this reminded me of that there's this voice telling him to kill evil people he's compelled to do so so I don't know if the demon's real I don't know if he's crazy I don't know if he you know when fell like hit his head and has like a you know damaged part of his brain now or a tumor or i don't know what the hell is going on to make him see these things
0: something is really bad it's a
2: real interesting setup
0: i got a little donnie darko from it too just because that thing actually looks like a bunny Mm
2: -hmm. yeah yeah i could see that that was
0: one of the first things i actually got i was all is this a little donnie darko moment it could all be in his head none of this could be real Know that demon I kind of hope it's not though I kind of hope it's real
2: oh those are the people behind criminal yeah. criminal was amazing they also did you and I were talking Christina about the fade out yeah same people yeah right exactly so the fade yeah. out criminal fatal like these are all really strong like crime books and I was like oh I haven't had a crime book in a while this is gonna be pretty great and this is this is not a crime book <laughs> strictly speaking
0: it, it, I mean it could also be a man fighting with his own internal demons which is what the demon is and it just you know it looks like it's coming out of him and all this stuff but it could all be in his head We still don't know. Sure. I thought this was a really strong first book. It was really long, too. I was really surprised. It
2: was. It was almost like almost 50 pages. So it's a double issue, basically.
0: I actually picked this one on my own. If nobody picked it, I would have read it anyway. Just because it looked interestingly fascinating. And The Killer Be Killed. I almost thought it was also one of those. What's those horrible movies where they they have one night to kill everybody? Oh, The Purge. Yeah. I thought it was kind of going to be like The Purge.
2: I wasn't sure if it was also maybe going to be like a. Almost like Unfollow, or. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where it's like, you know, kill or be killed, like you all have to hunt each other and right. kill each other kind of deal. But nope. This nope, one.
0: This one totally.
2: Went in a whole nope. new direction that we, none of us predicted. No, not at all.
0: Not one bit. Still, very interesting. Very
2: fascinating.
1: It's a really strong title. I like the artwork, like the storyline. He's kind of like a, a ghetto punisher, kind of, you know. <laughs>
2: Kind of, yeah.
1: Okay. I'm hoping that the demon's real, because I'm just, I think that's funner. But, I mean, he could just be nuts. Good storytelling. Interesting concept. Ready for another one?
2: I would give it four. I feel sorry <sighs> for him. Ouch. Ouch.
1: I'm gonna give it three and a half broken arms.
0: All right, I'm gonna give it a four. I'm going out for pizzas.
2: So you know when you have a big meal, you kind of have like in the middle, you have like a palate cleanser. So I figured after this darkness, <laughs> you could bring us over to Marvel and cleanse our palate with something I'm completely the different. Palate cleanser. Oh
0: god. I'm so sorry. So Marvel, Sumsum number one. Here comes the Sumsum Sum part one. Marvel Comics, written by Jacob Chabot. pencils by David Valion. inks by Terry Palette, colors by Jim Campbell. The reason I picked this is because I actually collect Sumsums. I am still like a kid. And I love stupid little plush animals. I even bought more today. No joke. I went to the Disney store and I got Wasp. They were out of She-Hulk, which was very sad. Elektra. I got Captain Marvel. loaded up on Marvel Women? Yeah, I did. I was loading up on Marvel Women. And I was really pissed that they had no She-Hulk. To my mom- Oh,
2: wait. So these are real?
0: These are real. They're, real. they're real things. Yeah, they do exist.
2: I had never heard of them until Christina was like, I'm picking this book. And you're like, I'm like, what, what the, the fuck is fuck? this? <laughs> <laughs> I, have... I think I swore at you when yes. you told me. You oh, no, and
0: I, I, knew, I knew as soon as I said I was picking this. But I was like, it's for the kids. The kids will love it. And I was like, the kids should listen
2: to our podcast. <laughs> 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 That's all right. Parents <laughs> can pass this down to their kids, I guess.
1: <laughs> Your kids will be saying fuck so many times.
2: <laughs> this is
0: for kids. I mean, this is probably kids, like, what, like 8, like eight. Twelve, maybe is a good age range for this. Sumsums are these little plush toys. They originated from Japan. There are Disney, they're originally just Disney characters, and then of course Disney bought Marvel. So there's Marvel, there's Star Wars. I have like a big giant Chewbacca on my desk. It's fucking huge. And I love them. And they're these, they're just pillows. They're stacking pillows. Some some actually literally means stacking. <laughs> Marvel and Disney, of course, are trying to squeeze every single dime out of these things. Absolutely every single dime. So they of course created a comic book because I'm sure they're going to start selling this at Disneyland like they've done with all the Star Wars ones and they are starting to do with all the other Marvel ones because they can you can buy them little medium or like super jumbo these are a story of little mini ones which are basically they're making them like little alien creatures and they're like blank little white blobs and it seems like what they think is that they're they're going to take on almost like what their environment or what they see. So what happens is there is a box of them that basically falls to Earth, and there's these kids who love to fell
2: off the back of a space truck. They fell off the back of a space
0: truck, literally, and there's these kids who are, like, obsessed with superheroes and are, like, they're trying to get, like, pictures of them and they have posters on their wall. And I love that one of the kids has, like, this old school Polaroid that he's taking pictures with.
2: He's a young hipster, yeah. yeah. he's totally
0: a <laughs> young hipster. I mean, he's got the hipster glasses, got kind of, like, the faux hawk going. But so it's, like, these three three friends and they're, like, super excited anytime they can see a superhero. And they get a picture of Iron Man and then all of a sudden this thing, like, drops from the sky ruins their Iron Man picture like what is this box and so they drag it into the room and they're trying to figure out how to open it and they're like oh let's break it open like where are the tools and they're like oh it's just a button Push the button and opens it and they're these little white doughy balls basically they're like what the hell are these and they're hiding them and then I guess it's our older brother or whatnot was like oh my god you guys have to go outside and see this and so they smuggled their sumsums like in like their hats and clothes and stuff like that and they go out and see this like huge fight between like hulk and they have Spider-Man, and like basically they got everybody and then all of a sudden the, the little sumsums like see what they see what's going on they're like oh and they totally imprint themselves with Spider Man, Iron Man, just everybody, just every superhero, every Avenger. I like that
2: even the one of Captain Marvel has a little sash yeah. when she's flying around. Yeah.
0: So it's ridiculous. It's totally adorable and ridiculous. And so the kids are like, oh my God, this is awesome. And I don't understand what the thing was about this weird, like, salty licorice they're trying to feed them. And I love the Hulk is like, no, smash.
2: Salty licorice is a candy from, like, Norway. Oh. It's kind of like one of those developed tastes.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say no. See,
2: it's, it's even more intense and special specific than like just black licorice like that sounds disgusting i hate it's black licorice. it's nasty unless you yeah. actually are from like sweden or norway or and you enjoy from. fish so. and salty things yeah yeah well hulk doesn't like it either no hulk Sumsom <laughs> so is, no. is like fuck no <laughs> <laughs> Hulk smash. He smashes his way out of the room to get away from it. And they say Hulk is not. <laughs> <dog." laughs>
0: so the kids are basically trying to get, after, after all the chaos and stuff like that, and they have kind of are conning them back into the house. They still kind of escape, and they're trying to, like, grab them all and... Uh, <laughs> I love. They start saying their taglines and stuff like that, and showing the pictures to try to calm them to come back. And I love it when, when one goes, "You wouldn't like me when I'm angry." And I was like, "Oh god, that's totally." I say that all the fucking time. And they're showing. <laughs> it's covering time. My X Men.
2: Yeah. A, X-Men. yeah
0: <laughs> Avengers Assemble. I was like, it's so cute. So they're trying to all calm them back into the case. And I love it. They're like all stacked because that's exactly what sometimes they're supposed to do. They're supposed to stack, and they have them all stacked, <laughs> and they close them. And it's like I think they're sleeping. And meanwhile, there's this weird guy who's in their building. Who obviously is another like we have another like D-Liste lister villain and he's got he's like smuggles one in his jacket and he's got Spider-Man and is like to be continued, dun dun dun. I mean it's silly, it's cheesy, it's meant for kids, it's some sums. I love them, I snuggle with them, they're adorable. I don't care.
2: This one's kinda hard to review for me because I am absolutely <laughs> not the target audience no. for this. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna tell you how to decide if you should buy this book, <laughs> either for yourself or your kids so if you like some sums you should buy yes. this because you will like yeah. it because they they are adorable and they give basically like when you took like transformers or gi joe's and you took toys and gave them like a personality and storyline you know it's, it's much more engaging
0: exactly
2: so if you're an adult who likes that kind of stuff or is a super disney fan uh like christina yes. who despite her hard and bitter and curseworthy uh you know exterior has a little heart of gold yeah, it's soft as a marshmallow and has room for some sums.
0: I love them so much.
2: You, you should buy this. <laughs> or if you have a kid who's somewhere between eight and twelve, so at the point where they have stuffed animals, they don't necessarily carry them around with them anymore, but they have them in their room, and you know maybe they at the upper range, I'd say they still have stuffed animals, but they put them away when they're when their friends come <laughs> over. Like that age range, that's where you want to buy this. A warning. If you buy this for them, you've just committed to buying a shit ton you of some because sure if you have. Exactly If you boys. have a kid who reads this, they're going to want them. So in that they're way, they're very effective. Yeah.
0: They're fucking yeah. adorable. Look how cute they are. And that they are exactly what you see in the comic book. They look exactly like that. They're very cartoony, they're fluffy, they're so super cute and you want to squish them all of them that is exactly how
2: (laughs) for an all ages kids comic book this was perfectly Mm -hmm. fine it's fine for an all ages kids comic and like i say if you like these things you'll like this book if you're the right age and you don't like them yet you probably will after reading this
0: they're also going to have some variant coming out with other comics which i have no idea how they're going to do it but there's a deadpool one
2: Oh, that's just wrong. Yeah, there's
0: a Deadpool one, and there's an old man Logan one. I don't know if there is actually some sense in the comic book, but they are the covers, and the Deadpool one is fucking adorable. <laughs>
2: what'd you think of this rory
1: unlike ryan i'm not gonna take the taste for Um, (laughs) this is the only book of this week that i just could fucking finish now don't get me wrong
0: even harley
1: uh harley harley gave me a good fucking run for my money Uh, (laughs) but we'll we'll talk about how i want to wipe my ass with that one later So I'm going to try and play it a little bit fair on this, because I didn't realize they were the this toy, apparently.
0: It's a merchandising toy, is what this is. Well,
1: yeah, no doubt. Now, now I know yeah. that. At first, I was like, what the fuck? Sort of garbage. Are they forcing me to read here? <laughs> yeah, for like kids or weird adults like Christina, I could definitely see. <laughs> I was, I wasn't sure whether it was Christina or Carissa that would had inflicted me with this one this week. <laughs> but fairly um, certain, Car-
0: Carissa collects sums too. I I'm not figured, the only one. Yeah,
1: I, it. it yeah. I, like I was, like I said, I was kind of like flipping the coin, going, I wonder which one did this.
0: Yeah, that's all me.
1: Man, this is some bullshit. <laughs> if
0: you were eight years
1: old. <laughs> if I was eight eight years old, I'd still probably think it was some bullshit. If
0: you were an eight-year-old girl.
1: I've never been that before, so it's kind of hard to put myself. I'm I'm not that good of a uh, method actor.
0: (laughs) Did you at least enjoy the cover?
1: Christina, I like lifting weights and drinking beer and stuff like that.
2: You can't channel your inner eight-year-old girl? (laughs) No, no.
1: no, no, no. She's
2: in there somewhere, Rory. You just got to bring her out.
1: I'm like, I'm like, okay. There's a certain there's a certain level you can bring me to, but eventually <laughs> you just you're speaking a completely different language than Rory is even capable <laughs> of comprehending. We're on a whole different planet now, and I am completely lost by by this um, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right.
2: Well, let's let's rate it up.
1: Go for it. Given the ground uh, that I've got now, I'm gonna go for just two uh, steaming piles of doo doo.
2: <laughs> Ryan. i will give it two and a half to me my sum sum i'm going to read this
0: as for kids because that is exactly what this is for this is obviously not for adults this is not for adult males either this is probably for little for kids it would be a cute introduction to the marvel universe for kids who are just starting to watch the like the cartoons who have started collecting the Sumsums. So for them, this is really what this is for. So that said, I'm going to give it three and a half, it's clobberin' time, Sumsum, which they do not have a thing, Sumsum, yet, I'm
2: just saying. I'm going to make a slight addition to who you should recommend this for. If you know any bronies, (laughs) they will like this book.
1: Oh, it's it's so true.
2: When you said it's not for adult males, uh, Christina, I was like, nope,
1: I know exactly. No, I
2: have the marketplace.
1: (laughs) That is who will like this. Point out that at eight years old, I was reading Usagi Yojimbo. (laughs) Damn straight. (laughs) So there's no way I'll be able to understand this. Or what you can do is you can just leave this on the shelf and get your child uh, an issue of Usagi Yojimbo and and turn them into awesome later on in life.
0: (laughs) I think at eight, I was probably reading Spider-Man.
2: And then Archie and. Yep. So, Hum keeping us in the Marvel Universe. Now that we've yep. had our palate cleansed, it's time to eat some of that delicious, dark, and bitter food yes. that we love
1: awesome-ass intro. (laughs) Use it. I was like, who better to do Do that than me?
2: (laughs) So, Rory, take us to the dark feast.
1: Now that we've established that I'm a scumbag, (laughs) 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 we're getting a little heartlessness in the Doctor Strange universe. It's Doctor Strange number 10, Last Days of Magic, the conclusion, finally. Marvel Comics, obviously, written by Jason Aaron, pencils by Chris Bacalo, inks by Tim Townsend, John Livesey, Victor O'Reilly. Blaza Alvey, I should know this by now. How many issues have we read now? Jim yeah, <laughs> Mendoza and Wayne Falker. Uh, colors by Chris Baclow and Rain Burrito. Alright, we made it through the names, at least.
2: Woo! Woo-hoo! <laughs> Takes a village. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of eye gouging.
1: Oh, I love eye gouging.
2: <laughs> a lot of yeah, eye gouging. Eye bleeding. bleeding dark pus from the eyes. Yeah. And, uh, just lovely. Oh,
1: it's the best. <laughs>
2: Lots of oh. eyes. Lots of eyes. a lot no. of eye injuries in the Marvel Universe yes. lately. I know,
1: seriously.
0: Oh, God, that's true. This is horrible. Horrible. They're horrible people.
1: <laughs> Somebody got <must> poked <have>, like, <laughs> in the eye or something <laughs> recently, and they're like, yeah. I'm to tell you how much this sucks.
2: Oh, what was that one we were watching where they had, like, the blade right in front of their eye? Oh, that was Guardians, right? Yes. Yes, oh. that was Guardians. That was the start. Oh, yeah. Then poor Hulk, then this, yeah. then... Yeah,
1: that's bad.
2: Eye trauma. <laughs> that's my least favorite.
1: We start off with a little flashback a couple years before Doctor Strange is uh, obviously gotten done with some sort of you know crazy fight and he's like all hurt and took him everything he had and so he basically casts a spell that that takes his pain and basically heals him but rather than just straight up healing him it takes it and it shifts it to this thing that's in the uh, that's in the basement that they've been alluding to throughout this entire series.
2: How fucking creepy is that panel of just the face, like, looking out through the doorway? Oh, yeah. like Oh,
1: <laughs> yes. Thing of like night.
2: Might me kind of like, maybe, like, Halloween. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Flashes forward to there's Imperator taking some arrows to the chest. <laughs> and to the eyeball, of course, uh, because we've got to injure eyes. And if you kind of look at it, actually, in the little flashback, it looks like he may have had some eye injury doc strange may have had some eye injury there also because one of those boils is like appearing over his eyes so eh. eye fucking everybody Uh, Uh, (laughs) he's sticking him with these magical arrows that he's dug up pissing him off but uh he notices that not only is magic hurting him but it's actually it's actually imperator's weakness so he's hitting him with you know. He sticks him with the arrows. He hits him with an axe. All the magical trinkets that he's that he's captured in order to take over this battle. So they're just kind of like brawling it out and yelling back and forth at each other. And then Imperator is like reading him the riot act, you know, for basically like the reason why he is the way he is, and magic has basically murdered his family. It's it's destroyed his entire world. And at one point or another, he, you weave lies the way you once cast spells. Next, I suppose you'll tell me that you've never created monsters, but we both know that isn't true. And then there's this big, giant, eyeball, black, oozy, creepy, uh, creepy mask wearing critter behind him.
0: Reminds me of No Face from Spirited Away. Yeah,
2: very much. But how fucking creepy it is when that monster appears and is like, hello, oh. father. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that, that, shit. That
1: scene is <laughs> so freaking creepy. It is just a nightmare walking or slithering or whatever the fuck it's doing.
2: It was Something yeah. wicked this it way comes, for sure.
1: So then everybody outside's, you know, fighting all of the Imperators guys and, you know, eh, whatever there. Eventually it flashes over to Zelma and she basically is saying, like, I believe in magic, and I don't know what that's supposed to do?
2: So before, Strange would shove all his pain into this Uh creature, and now, like, people are willingly taking on that that Uh role. So it's getting spread to, like, hundreds of different people, but he's not inflicting on anyone. They're choosing to do it.
1: Them linking into the spell, basically, right? Yeah. That's kind of what I was taking it as, but it kind of just struck me as weird there. Oh, it gets worse. Yeah, people start getting linked into the spell. Doctor Strange decides to use this, uh, like, pain spirit creature thingy as a weapon against Imperator. And so he, like, suits up in him, which is, like, when you're seeing it, it reminded me very much of the Venom symbiote, but a lot.
3: Yes. But, like, take
1: the Venom symbiote and combine it with, like, the darkness and smash them together in one gross, vile, nasty, evil pile of ooze and that's what you have during that he's using this thing right off imperator and you know he starts whipping on him and it's like talking all kinds of creepy bullshit
0: my favorite line is i'm punching you in the face with magic get used to it and there should be a bitch at the end of that yeah
1: totally <laughs> yeah oh so oh what was really creepy was when he put the mask on him yeah oh my god that was so horrible you can just see that eye
2: slides over oh.
1: like terrified yeah oh my god this thing is just oh, this whole fight is so amazing. Him and Imperator are fighting. Eventually, like pretty much like everybody that's out there starts linking into the spell and repeating the same words that would cause the spell to basically like transfer pain from one person to another. So they start taking it from him onto to themselves, basically, and kind of like reversing the damage. Then after he's done, well, then Critter gets free of him. I didn't understand what he meant. Like, he's got Imperator chained up in his basement. Is he talking about making him basically the new pain spirit? Is that what he's talking about doing?
2: I don't think so. I think that he's replacing, he's now the thing in the cellar. Gotcha. I don't think he's channeling the pain into him.
0: No, I think he's just trapped
1: there. I was like, that's some fucked up shit. <laughs> and then later on, the little pain spirit is like, it basically says, you know, how it's going to fucking creep off and try vengeance and whatnot. Because it's like, oh, I don't feel anything. I thought I'd feel better. Nope. <laughs> I'm going to go perpetrate some evil.
2: <laughs> I love how it's just like doing the, the version of like in like Looney Tunes cartoons where you walk away like whistling to be yeah. all uh, want. <laughs> it's yeah. just like i'll just be creeping over here all evil as shit <laughs> my creepy face and my and, black body uh, of
0: uh,
1: close off the series with they mentioned that they've beaten him and the magic hasn't returned to the world yet they're like and that's kind of where they leave it cliffhanging dun,
2: dun, dun. if we won
1: why is magic still dead well this whole run has been great I- i've enjoyed the hell out of it i've enjoyed the tie-ins but the main you know the main last days of magic has been just awesome
2: You know, we've been talking about some Eisner winners here. And Jason Aaron, very deservedly so, is, you know, one for best writer. Yes. And this is a real good example. And you could point to any of his other books, which are all very different and all equally good. So, I mean, he's hands down, I think, the best writer in comics today. amazing. There are other writers who are as good as he is at one kind of story. But he's as good as the best at every kind of story. His
0: stuff is so Different too, like all of the stuff, and his mm-hmm. own stuff is different. Like he does,
2: yeah. Like I think he actually won for Southern yeah. Bastards. I think was the yeah. actual title that it he was. won for. Like you could put Southern Bastards down next to this and read them and not think they were exactly. by the same person.
0: Thor, and he does his own the goddamned like all of those. You would not think they were the same
2: at all. For example, like Marguerite Bennett. Like I know a Marguerite Bennett book as soon as I read it. Like there are certain things that stand out. You know, as signature lines. You're gonna there. get
0: lesbians, and you're gonna probably cry.
2: <laughs> but Juice Aaron, you're just gonna get amazing yes. quality. That's yes. his signature. There's so many things about that little creepy pain monster, mm-hmm. suffering demon thing that are just I, I thought were really spectacular. Like I like the part where he's like, "What's the human word for the opposite of suffering?"
3: Because
2: that's like all he knows. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't even have the words to express the fact that he's no longer in pain. Mm-hmm. And then, like you mentioned, Rory, that like shuffling along, like, "Oh, I don't. F- I thought I would feel happy." When they remove pain from me, but I just feel nothing. So he's like, I Think I'm gonna go be evil yes. <laughs> Off I go. <laughs> I also like there's a part where the Imperator has uh Doctor Strange basically in this half Nelson mm-hmm. wrestling hold kind of thing basically, and he's breaking his fingers like one by one. <sighs> you know, where he's telling him, like, I'm gonna break every every bone in yep. your body. Which if you kinda know like Doctor Strange's story, his hands being injured is what you know led him on his journey to become dr strange right. so that was kind of like a neat little throwback to that but then even after that he still takes his hands out of all the broken bones and is just punching him like repeatedly in the face yeah. and there's that line like never stop punching i was like you go doctor <laughs> like you've, you you've got that willpower you are a badass. You know? appreciated all those little things last Days of magic when it comes out as a collection i am buying the hardcover yeah
1: so. i have to agree with that this is the, yes. too good not to have in your collection
0: I hope they have, like, a special edition, like, with some extra artwork. Ooh, that would be Because some of this is so good. Some, like, raw drawings of stuff. I would like to see that. Yeah,
1: or, like, concept drawings and shit.
2: As deluxe as you want to make it, <laughs> I
1: will buy exactly. it.
0: Yep. What else you can shove
2: in there? We will <laughs> probably buy it. Put some Tsum in there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. not oh, that. God. Let's not go that far. I ended up giving it four and a half Never Stop Punchings.
1: I'm gonna give it four creepy horror masks.
2: I'm gonna
0: give it... Four and a half dark eye of Agamotto, because that was the very end. The eye of Agamotto is dark. The shrouds of my cloak are limp. That last page. That was very cool.
1: You know what? Actually, you did uh, give me a point there, so I'm going to af- offer a revision. I'm going to go for five, because it's the end of the series, and it's been badass the whole way through. So, five creepy masks.
2: There we go. So, something you guys I think neither one of you liked very much. No. Oh. Over to DC. Over to more craziness.
1: Ugh. Oh. Ugh fuck
0: so harley quinn <laughs> issue number one
1: i had the high hopes for this one
0: so written by Amanda connor and jimmy palmodi art by chad Hardin, colors by
2: alex Sinclair. they're technically harley quinn rebirth number one this one is called afterbirth which is totally accurate if you listen to the the panel that they did for mm-hmm. it but she was like i'll only do this if you let me call it afterbirth
1: <laughs>
2: well it totally makes sense but who
0: is this book for
1: dudes i think in the very beginning
0: it has to be Like, seriously, that side boob, it looked like Ivy's was going to fucking pop.
1: Yeah.
2: Harley Quinn is one of the highest selling DC books and one of the highest selling comic books that are out right now. So I know you guys hate it. Is it because guys are spanking him? Yeah, this is straight jerky material
1: right here. Like, that's when I first saw this.
2: Probably some of that.
1: These are almost hanging out at every single panel. Every single
0: panel. There is going to be a nip slip at any moment. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Like, they used to call that, you know, DC had, like, a trinity, right? It had Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are the trinity. And what they say now is that it's actually, like, a stool rather than, like, a tripod. And that Harley Quinn is the fourth leg of the of the DC universe, so she's really popular. Like this week alone, I think there were two or three other Harley Quinn titles that were out. So she's so. like the hard on of DC comics. Yeah, exactly. Is that it is?
1: Get your monkey socks out, folks.
2: This is the same creative team. That has been doing Harley Quinn for a long-ass time. Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. So this is exactly...
1: I said these are nicely rend- rendered titties. I can say that much. Yeah, not it's bad. It's true. Like,
0: not bad. Um, there's even a fucking beaver in here. Like, seriously?
2: <laughs> oh, the talking beaver yes, that she has? The stuffed beaver? yeah,
0: And a cock. And it's, a it's cock!
2: It's like straight out of the uh, police squad.
0: So this is the worst part. There is a beaver, there is a wiener dog, and uh-huh. there is a cock. Come on. This is meant for boys. Yeah. This is spank bank material. Yeah. Mrs. Butterworth ain't got nothing on this shit.
1: This is if your parents have, like, (laughs) uh, the controls (laughs) of the internet.
0: I'm calling it back. I'm calling it back. Okay.
2: So Harley Quinn is in Brooklyn and she has like inherited like a, basically a a bunch of carnies.
0: The egghead dude is, I've seen before and that's just fucked up. I don't know. I
2: I, I guess this really comes down to your
1: taste. Like if it's poor.
2: (laughs) Go through phases with Harley. I like it, but I reach a point where a new issue is not going to do anything more for me. Like, I've reached my, my Harley tank is full. This
0: is straight up jumping the shark kind of shit. Oh, yeah. There is a fucking alien that turns into a cow alien that becomes sausages that people eat and become zombies. What the yeah. fuck?
2: So clearly you guys are not reading Harley Quinn because this is an absolutely normal issue of yeah, Harley Yeah, no, Quinn. I don't read Harley nope. Quinn. No. This is exactly what you're going to get. The level of nope. TNA cheesecake, the level of cheesiness, the puns. Uh, the cat poop catapults. The, it, this is normal Harley oh, Quinn. Oh,
1: God. No. This is
2: actually my big complaint about the book. Like, you guys don't like it. My big complaint is that this is literally... There is no difference between this and any other <laughs> issue of Harley Quinn. This is a literal continuation it, of the same story, same characters, no oh, new direction. Is, it's
1: such mouth-breathing bullshit.
0: It is! I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I just don't. I, I don't. I loved Harley Quinn from Batman the Animated Series, and I know it's not the same. But this still... It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. At all, and she's not supposed to make sense. I totally understand that she's not supposed to make sense, but this is just fucking awful. Mouth
2: breather.
1: Huge steaming pile of fucking stinky shit.
2: All right, so let's rate it up. <laughs> Obviously, you guys are not three, you know, thrilled with it. So, <laughs> so would you guys end up giving it? I
3: don't know. Um,
1: I'm gonna give it one butt massage. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking title was fucking awful it was painful for me to read this um and i love harley quinn too i, I love harley quinn from the animated series i understand it's not supposed to make sense this is just garbage i, I wouldn't wipe my ass with this i mean it's horrible <laughs> it was it's seriously i had to force myself to finish this one and this is before i got to some yeah. somewhere i just had enough
0: you know? <laughs> i don't even know is this a comic book or is this just some dude's like fucked up? Wet this is Amanda
2: Connor is the writer. This is not written by a dude.
0: But this is like softcore like not even Cinemax. It's Skinamax Yeah. porn. It's like there's not any showing anything showing. At least the insects has full
2: on. Yeah. Doing it. I will give it since you have you can't even bring yourself to read it.
0: I'll give it one water weenie. How about that?
2: I give it three and a half, one good arm. wrong with you. <laughs> if you've been reading Harley Quinn, or Harley Quinn and, and Power Girl, start. or Harley and her gang of Harleys, or any of the like 600 Harley Quinn titles that are out, same creative team, same, same. Team. If you like it, you're going to like this. If you hate it, if you feel like Rory and Christina do, uh, this is exactly the same, and there's there's nothing different about this from any other Harley Quinn book, for good or bad. There's no surprises in this one. I personally enjoy Harley Quinn, but I do have a limit for it. Like I said, like I can finish about three-fourths of an arc of Harley Quinn, and then I'm like, I'm good for a couple months. So, I do have a limit for it, but until that tank is full, I I like three and a half from me. But maybe we have some other Harley Quinn that was more enjoyable for you guys.
1: Suicide Squad Rebirth Number One, written by Scott Williams, pencils by Philip Tam, inks by Jonathan Glapian, Scott Hanna, and Sandu Floria. Flora. Okay, so, and of course, by DC. We start off with, we have, first of all, that badass. Harley taking a bite out of a guard's neck or cheek or whatever that is. (laughs) She's totally Tyson. This is the kind of Harley I want to see. It's like, yes, much better right off the bat. So we have Amanda Waller and she's talking with Barack Obama apparently.
2: That's truly Barack Obama. That is. It's a pretty good drawing of Barack too.
1: Really made me laugh when I turned, because I was like, what the fuck? So he's basically cussing her out because now they've told him about Task Force X, uh, which he hasn't even known about for the longest time. And, you know, he's, like, cussing her out because, you know, you've got all these psychos roaming the world that are completely, like, ignoring due process and civil rights and all that stuff. He's saying how she's totally, like, violating everything that he stands for. She basically flips the script on him and says that... You're basically like living in a in a comic book <laughs> realm. <laughs> um,
0: Don't you wish she she just busted out of you can't handle yes, the truth?
1: exactly. But
0: yeah, would, oh, so wait. Totally,
1: <laughs> totally drops the microphone on him. But she tells him, you know, that reality's ugly and that everything's fucked up, and that you know the United States needs basically these nutcases running around doing what they do. And then she gives him a a proposal, basically of in order to, because he wants her out of the whole project, so uh, she tells him that she's got somebody, you know, and he's this Navy SEAL badass, da 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 highest decorations, like, basically like a straight-up...
2: Like Medal of Honor Navy SEAL, yeah. He's like the Captain America yeah, exactly. of the DC Universe. It's like
1: starch search collar you can get, you know, just walk, you know, straight arrow type, type person. And she says she can get him and have him running the whole...
2: For fuck's sake, his last name is Flag. Like, how much more?
1: You couldn't have been at least, like, a little bit... I mean, I know it's DC, so they're kind of simple over here, but it's like, really? You know, why don't they just name him, like, America, Mr. America?
2: <laughs> Mr. Merica. Well, I guess in DC's defense, I should say, there's a character in the Marvel Universe called Jack Flag, and this is Rick Flag. Yeah. So no, that's that
1: very lines. true. That's very true. Ow. That was another really? one that I was like, oh, really? Really? I was hoping they, they actually killed him when they kicked him off the plane. <laughs> I'm like, this character is <laughs> so stupid, we're just going to kill him off.
2: I mean, it was pretty awesome when he, uh, Captain America said "Hell Hydra and threw him out of the plane. Yeah. I also would have liked Papers, Please. It would have been pretty awesome oh, before he threw him out. Um, so, so anyway, back to Suicide yeah. Squad, Captain Patriots, yeah, anyways, you know, anyways, Super Soldier. Uh,
1: Mr. Merck, uh, I mean, Flag is uh, in Guantanamo Bay. Nobody even knows that he's there. The president doesn't even know he's there. You know, he's being basically just held indefinitely. He
2: got Carol Danford. <laughs> I can hold you here indefinitely without was So true!
1: So Waller shows up, makes him a proposition. Pretty much the same thing. She kind of just turns it around and says that, you know, basically it's like you get to prevent these nutcases from doing what they're doing. So then they have, like, this operation where they're out. In Inner Mongolia, there's this scientist there that's making a bomb that... Basically, we'll turn an entire city of people into uh, superhumans for like the next 36 hours, and at the same time, turn everybody else into everybody who has superpowers will get their powers uh, deactivated. Told to go in there and grab this guy and get the bomb because they've just made an entire city of pissed off Mongolian superheroes, super villains, however you want to look at it. <laughs> They go in, they grab the guy, and they're fighting their way out as there's all these superhumans, and then one of the superhumans, you know, he's, like, sitting there saying, oh, I was making this to help humanity, and blah, blah, blah. They, like, basically, like, use their powers to, like, grab on to this scientist guy. So they cut his arms off, or so Boomerang throws his boomerang, cuts his arm off. Oh,
2: that was so fucking awesome and unexpected.
1: They're like, oh, we got the bomb! And then they're like, oh, they'll just torture him and make 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 another one, and so deadshot kills him (laughs) it's like
2: i love when deadshot shoots him that it actually breaks his glasses i I think that's a great little detail that's great shot yeah because he shoots him right in the forehead where the
1: (laughs) bridge of his glasses detonate the bomb which kind of obvious you know deactivates all the superpowers of everybody that's superheroes they all drop like flies and then that's, that's when Flight joins up with everybody else as a team leader, and that's where they end off. Boom. Short. Sweet.
0: Yeah, this was actually yeah. this one was entertaining. Yes. This one was fun.
1: So I'm going to give it four plummeting Mongolians.
2: <laughs> I will give it three and a half severed hands. That was mine, you asshole. Uh,
0: I will give it three and a quarter Harley Quinn hickeys. All right, so those were the books we read this week. To check out our weekly pull list and other nerd shenanigans, go check out fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page, Four Color Nerds. You can follow us on Twitter or on Instagram. You can find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music,
2: on Stitcher, <laughs> <laughs> on SoundCloud,
0: and on Podcast Annex. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, (laughs) nerds.
2: See, Rory, I knew you could channel your inner inner woman. (laughs)